celebrate the fact that we now have freedom, that we can come boldly before the throne. And so we're just going to worship Jesus this morning. We're going to celebrate his goodness in our lives. Amen.
all come from different backgrounds, different lives, but in the name of Jesus, we are unified. We are brothers and we are sisters. And so let's just raise our voices as one as we declare Jesus Lord over all this morning. Amen. So in the Bible, King David comes before God, and he says, search me, O God. Reveal those things in me. Reveal that thing that is hidden to me that keeps me from fully walking and surrender and obedience to you. And you know what? Let's just make that our cry here this morning. 
Let's just come before God and say, God, you know every single detail of my life as it already is. I'm just going to open my heart before you. Just show me. Show me those things I need to surrender to you. Show me those things I need to let go of so that I can fully follow you in every facet of my life that you're leading me to. So let's just lift our voices. Let's sing in freedom and in truth and allow God to just have his way in our lives this morning.
search my heart and search my soul. Let's pray together. Father, we gather here this morning and we thank you for your wonderful love and your grace. We're excited to be here, Lord, and we thank you for the roof over our head today, Lord, and <laughs> we praise you that uh, right now it's not leaking. And so, God, we just come before you today and we humbly acknowledge that uh, we just love you today, Lord, and we just want more of you. And so we open our hearts to receive all that you have for us this day, Lord. We pray, dear God, that you will bless Gay. With, Lord, you've laid an incredible message on her heart today. And I just pray that you will wrap your loving arms around her today, Lord, as, uh, Father, it's a little bit of a difficult day for her. And I just pray that you will minister to her in a mighty way today and minister to us through her. Father, I thank you for this great church and all that uh, has been accomplished this week, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for our students, our children. We pray, God, thanking you for those that worship with us faithfully online each week and, God, those in the cafe. And, God, we just want you to know today that we love you and we thank you, Lord. And we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to church today. We're glad you're here. We're glad everybody's here but about two people that uh, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> Can we get the ushers to get them out of here? <laughs> anyway, we're glad everybody else is here. And uh, watch this. <laughs> Every heartland, farm town, fence post, son. Every West Coast, big break queen. All your high-rise, skyline, concrete kids. Every zip code in between. Grab your first time from porch, pound, and haul. And gas up your Chevrolet. Cause the sun's half gone and it won't be long till we make our getaway. This is our our night to shine, and we did shine. Uh, thank you, church. What a great, great gathering. You know, Gay and I were talking about that's the single, and we've done hundreds of events over the last 23 years. That's the most memorable event that touched my life at the deepest place than anything we've ever done. And we had 100 guests here, and uh, we crowned them all kings and queens for the night. And You know, they came in the back door. We, uh, we didn't. People uh, did their hair up, and the guys got their shoes shined. They all took a limousine ride around the front, and we got to be the paparazzi as they came up the red carpet. I got to tell you, 
that was incredible to see the smiles and the joy on the faces of those folks that came as we celebrated them. I think Tim Tebow said on a, a simulcast that we had, he said that some of those folks have never been celebrated and clapped for in their life, and you could tell. It was incredible. Don't miss next year because we've signed up, or we're going to sign up for another year. And uh, it, it, was just, uh, it was just a great, great experience. And how, if you volunteered, I just want you to raise your hand. How many of you volunteered? Wow. Do you regret it? <laughs> Absolutely not. We had over 200 volunteers, some from the uh, public, some from the schools, and it was just a great gathering for our community, a great celebration, and thank you so much for uh, just being a part of that. And uh, I think next year it'll probably double in the number of guests that we have since the word gets out. So we'll need all of you next year, okay? Uh, here we go. Uh, all the offering. Yeah. <laughs> no. Is that it? Yeah, I'm supposed to take the offering next. I get so wound up and that video messes me up, man. See those kids? There was one guy, his name was Timmy. And every time he'd see me, he'd go, what's your name? <laughs> and I just loved it. Oh, yeah, another thing. I got propositioned. Yeah. This one girl said, will you take me home with you tonight? <laughs> I said, you better talk to your buddy about that. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was a great night. I won't soon forget that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been about 60 years since I've been. <laughs> so, take our offering. <laughs> hey, your offering helps us pull those things off, you know. Uh, and uh, we appreciate every dime, every dollar, every hundred dollars that comes into the offering every week because we're able to do those great, great events like that and, and reach people for Christ and keep the lights on and do all those things because of your faithful giving. And we really, really appreciate that. I don't know if we gave you the final total on those that accepted the tithing challenge, but we had 36 people accept the tithing challenge. So we praise the Lord for that. And so you give in the offering, and uh, we appreciate that. You can give those ways. If you're a guest today, don't worry about giving unless you feel led to do that. Watch this video. our Christmas party in Nigeria. Not only do we party here, they party in Nigeria. And uh, that's uh, James and Charity. That's at their home uh, as they're still working to complete their building. They do all their ministry at their home. But that was their Christmas party. And I just, we showed that today because we just wanted you to see uh, where uh, some of your Thanksgiving offering that you so generously give, gave and committed to. Uh, I, I forget, I, it was between three and 400 people at that Christmas party, and I know this, they give them all a Coke, and they give them all a gift, and they celebrate them like crazy. Tim and I have been there passing out those Cokes and pencils and erasers, and you know, they go crazy over the smallest things, and uh, so we're just blessed to be a part of that ministry, and uh, I, you know, I promised I wouldn't uh, talk about the Thanksgiving offering anymore, but I do have to thank God for all that he's doing, and know that there's about $10,000 outstanding, and if you pledge and you still want to get that in, don't think it's too late, okay? You can do that at any time. But we appreciate that and wanted to keep you up to date on our Thanksgiving offering, and that's just a small portion of where the Thanksgiving offering goes. So thank you for that. 
Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys braved the rain and the cold and the wind. Jody and I were saying it's come down in like waves. It's crazy. We're going to check into Facebook now. If you guys could pull out your phones, even if you're online, uh, check into Facebook. Let your friends and family know that you are here today. It's warm and cozy in here, not like outside. Um, and invite them to watch online if they have an opportunity to now. Propel is coming up on February 23rd at 7 p.m. Um, for those of you who don't know, Propel is a women's ministry run by Christine Kane. Um, there's some curriculum that we follow. Um, but as women, we come together and we break into groups and um, it's a great time. Kristen Green is a huge part of it and Jessica Farley as well. So if you have any questions, you can um, check it out on the Salem Fields website or ask one of them. Work is Worship is also coming up on the 23rd from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's going to be here um, at Salem Fields. It's going to be a live broadcast. So those people that you see on the screen, they're going to be... Um, seen through the screen, um, and they're going to be talking to you guys about what it's like to combine work and worship together instead of separating the two, and that's $25, um, again, on February 23rd. And then lastly, we have our 401 prayer. Raise your hand if you've set your alarm for 401. All right, awesome. If you have not, we encourage you to do so if that's 401 a.m. or 401 p.m., whatever works best for you guys. Um, but our Easter service is going to be taking place on April 1st. Um, so just be praying about who the Lord would have you invite. Um, just be praying for our services and what the Lord's going to have um, revealed to you as well. We're going to take our tithes and offerings to the next, next song, but first, watch this. up there. It was raining pretty hard. Um, it's good because we were out at uh, Lake Anna and it was like four feet down. So every raindrop that I hear coming is filling Lake Anna back up and I'm happy about that. So uh, we finish up our Fixer Upper series today. And for me personally, it's been a great one. We started out the first week with uh, talking about foundation. Foundation is really important in any structure, any house. And uh, we talked about our spiritual fixer-upper is about having Jesus Christ as our foundation on which we can build our house of life. The second week, a buddy talked to us about uh, finances, and uh, that's where the 36 tithes uh, uh, challenge earth came. <laughs> and uh, that means spiritual growth. That doesn't mean more money. That means people are going to grow spiritually, and that is awesome. That's what spiritual fixer-upper is all about. And then he talked to us about failure and uh, embracing failure instead of looking at it as something that we want to avoid, actually looking at it as something that can teach us and, and, and take us to a place where God wants us to be. Well, this week, we I don't know if it's uh, we saved the last, best for last, but it sure is a good one. It's all about family. How about family? Anybody know any craziness in your family? Yeah? <laughs> You're going to love the lyrics to this song. Listen to this. They're there for your first year. They give you your first year. 
drink too much liquor and they have too much wicker and they show up at Christmas Christmas and get all up in your business right <laughs> family can be crazy right well this series has been inspired by you know the hit TV show the smash hit HGTV show fixer upper right uh, how many people watch it I've watched a lot of it yeah see we make them famous well Chip and Joanna take these neglected structures and they snatch them out of these neighborhoods and they uh, restore them to something beautiful. And we've looked at how spiritually that works in our life as well. But if you look at these houses, they may look exquisite, but if you dig a little bit deeper into the lives of Chip and Joanna Gaines, if you can get beyond just those beautiful structures that they're creating, you're going to find that Chip and Joanna have a much grander purpose, a much greater purpose for loving what they do and for doing what they do. You see, that restored house is only a structure until people move in. Chip and Joanna Gaines really are all about family. A house isn't a home until people move in. If you leave that restored house and nobody moves in, it'll just run down again. It's really about the people and it's really about the family because people matter. Now, in the midst of this huge success that Chip and Joanna Gaines have had, and I believe it's been a blessing of God because they have not deterred from the convictions that they have. I believe God has blessed them. What you'll see, their greater, grander purpose of Chip and Joanna Gaines is all about family and all about their faith. And if you watch their lives, you can see that lived out. You can see how important their family is to them. You can see how important it is not to compromise in, in their beliefs and their faith. Now, if you've watched the show, you may have forgotten the part that probably is one of the greatest parts that shows the grander purpose that Chip and Joanna Gaines have. And that's the very last little segment of the show 
where the credits come up. And sometimes you say, oh, I don't need to see the credits. But the reality of it is that last segment of the show is probably the most significant and the most important to show the grander purpose and the heartbeat of Chip and Joanna Gaines. It's really all about family. Watch this. Oh my gosh, Liam's got lots of hair now. I'm amazed. It is beautiful. I just love it. Living here is fantastic because we can have friends and family over and we just feel like it's a comfortable space. It's just a perfect spot for our family to grow up. From the bottom of our hearts that we really hope you guys live here happily ever after. We've been waiting to have a place to put our roots down. To yeah. walk in and be like, yep, that's where we're gonna put our roots down. Sure. That. Uh, that's an incredible feeling. Wow. Are you guys realize the whole family is around our island right now? <laughs> I know! This is incredible. Yeah. So what's a marshmallow? It's a perfect place to entertain our family and friends. Good catch. I know I keep crying, <laughs> but it really is our dream house. We'd love to have all of our friends and family over. There's so many different levels and places, but yet everybody is still all together. It's welcoming people, welcoming home. Cheers. I did a good job on that barbecue. <laughs> Having our whole family here is the best part of the whole thing. It, it completes the home. It's what it's all about. <laughs> this is beautiful. That's really what it's all about. It's all about family. Well, their purpose is family and it's faith. And today's final sp spiritual fixer-upper is exactly the same. It's all about family and faith. And maybe we need a little fixer-upper with our family. And so I'd ask you to kind of open your heart and your mind, and, and we're first going to look at the biblical model of family. You know, when you go into a new subdivision, this little cutover from Foster, I've been driving it for 23 years, and it was farmland for the longest time, and then they put a, they're putting a subdivision in there. When you go into a brand new subdivision, what's the very first thing that you see built there? A model home, yes. The model home kind of gives you a vision of what your home can look like. Now, the model home has a lot of bells and whistles that probably your home won't, unless cha-ching, you know, you need that financial uh, message. But uh, it gives you an idea of what the home, your home can look like. Joanna, you know, in the show, she will take um, the clients to her farmhouse and she'll let them see some of the things that she's done in her home and they can kind of get an idea of what it might look like. And then she pulls out her computer and she gives, her, gives them a rendering of what their home actually is gonna look like, you know that part in the show? Well, the Bible is the very same way. The Bible gives us a model of what family looks like. Clear at the very beginning, the very beginning, it starts out in Genesis where it says that God created. He created the world and he created something really, really beautiful. And it only takes 27 verses to get to the point where it says he creates male and female. You know what that is, right? And here comes the rain. We're going to talk about the flood in a minute. <laughs> he created male and female. One more verse, and he says this. He says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Now, what did he mean by that? 
take the man, take the woman, make them one flesh in marriage, and then produce other people. Simple, isn't it? Produce offspring. That was a family. That was the model of the family. God's original family model is what it was. Now, the design that he had for that family is that the family would be the foundational building block of human society. It was so important to him, and he said, you know what? The, the family unit is going to be the building block of human society. And just as God instructed Adam and Eve, he said, okay, Adam and Eve, I want you to care for this world. I want you to care for the animals. And when he created family, he said, okay, family, your job is to look after and care for one another. That's what the family was to be. Pretty simple, isn't it? That's his picture. But it got messy real quick. Remember Cain, the firstborn son? Remember what he did? What did he do? He killed his brother. Things went really, really bad. And Cain murders his brother, and the, this beautiful creation, and you know with Chip and Joanna Gaines, all these houses that they redeem, once were a brand, was a brand new house. Just like God, he had created this beautiful world, and the human condition began to erode because sin had entered the world, and things got really bad, things deteriorated, and brokenness and, and cracked foundations began to happen. And families got really messy, and that's how they began. That's our model. So does anyone here relate to messy families? You said before you did. You saw it in, that, in those lyrics of that song. So what was God's fixer-upper? He said, I'm going to start all over again. You think God felt like a failure? He said, I had this creation. It got all messed up. And you know what? Just going to start all over again. How did he start all over? The rains came down, and the floods came up, and the earth was wiped out, except for whom? The animals, two by two, but the family, Noah's family. It wasn't just an individual, Noah, that God saved. He said, I'll establish my covenant with you, and you'll enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. He saved the family. Now, Abraham, you remember that story? God had asked him to leave his home, and he called the family too. He didn't just call Abraham. He didn't just say, Abraham, you'll be the father of our faith, but he said, family, pick up. It's time to move out. The family unit went. It wasn't just a covenant with an individual, but the whole family. Now, let's fast forward to Moses, and the family was still extremely important to God. And we know this because he designed protections for the health of the family. He gave them the Ten Commandments. And two of the commandments in those Ten Commandments, which was the national covenant for his people, he, he gave those two commandments to develop the cohesiveness of the family, the protection of the family. And he said this in the fifth, he said, honor parents. Now, why did he say honor parents? Now, a lot of us may have had a parent that it was very difficult to honor. But God said to us, in terms of the cohesiveness of the family, we need to honor our parents. Why? Because that was God's way to show us the importance of authority. Because all of us 
to be protected and to have a protective covering really need to understand authority. And in our culture today, that's gotten way messed up. I mean, even in homes, there are people that are controlling other people, and then there are people that are tearing away and pulling apart. We really don't under, understand authority very well. But he said, honor your parents because that will preserve the importance of authority in family. And the seventh one said that he prohibited adultery. Now, was that to take away our fun and say, hey, I don't want you to have the fun of extramarital affairs? No, it was because he wanted to protect us and he wanted to give us a protective covering that would preserve the family that he loved so much. Now today, the definitions of family have morphed into all kinds of ideas that have gone away from the, from the uh, design of God. And we can see the results of that. The foundation of our society is cracking. It's just cracking. And that's a direct result because people tend to get away from God's design. And every time we get away from God's design without being fixed up, redeemed, and restored, we'll go off on our own way and things will fall apart. You see, when people see the commandments as restrictions and trying to take away all my fun, instead of understanding that those are in place as protection, that God loves us so much, that he gives us these guidelines so that if we'll choose to live by them, that we will find the abundance and the health and the love that every single human being longs for. But what happens is people seize them as restrictions and then they neglect them or they say, I don't wanna do the work to apply that to my life and then things fall apart. And we can see that our foundation is cracking because our families are falling apart. And what we need is a commitment for people to say, you know what, I need to be restored. I, I was created at, at one point and I need something more powerful than me to restore and I need to live by God's design and I need to know what that is. So that's the Old Testament. God loved families and he continued to try to preserve it. Well, we get to the New Testament and it also speaks of the importance of family. Jesus himself in Matthew 19, he spoke of the sanctity of marriage and he spoke against frivolous and that's an important word, frivolous divorce. He gave some provisions for it, very, very few. But Paul also talks about, the, about establishing godly homes in Ephesians and Colossians. And he said, children, obey your parents. Now, probably every parent here has gone to your children and said, children, the Bible says, obey your parents. But it's followed up with parents, don't provoke your children. Boy, that stops us in our tracks, doesn't it? <laughs> it got real quiet in here. <laughs> Don't provoke your children. You see, God's desire is that entire families would come to know him. And it begins with one person. And you know, a lot of times people will come here and they'll say, well, my spouse doesn't love God and won't come to church. And, and it just makes it so hard for me. The Bible specifically speaks to having an unbelieving spouse. And the Bible says that that unbelieving spouse can be influenced through the witness of a believing spouse if the believing spouse will simply live a godly life out before that person. 
Stop nagging them. Stop coercing them. You can gently ask them to come to church, but let it go. Let it go. Let <laughs> that was a fun song to dance to at night to shine. <laughs> you should have seen we were all letting it go. It was beautiful. <laughs> but one person in the family can influence and can change the dynamic of the whole family. If we'll simply allow God to transform us, to look within our own heart and say, God, there are some things in my heart that need a fixer-upper. There are some places in my heart that are filled with stone that I need you to chip away. Because when that begins to happen and you're redeemed and you're restored and you're transformed, what a witness to other people that God is alive and working in your life. You know, I had someone tell me recently, and uh, I told my staff, and it was a, a, a mom that said, you know, her son is, is graduated from college, and he's out on his own, and, and uh, he's exploring life as, as young 20-somethings do. And he said, why would I live that life when I don't really see it working in anybody else's? And church, it scares me that that's so true in our culture today because we're pointing out what everybody else is doing instead of saying, God, will you do something in my heart? Because when we live that out before other people with getting our eyes off of other people, one person can change the dynamic of the whole family. You see, God saved families in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, whole families were influenced and saved by someone in the family. And then they would come together and they'd be baptized as families. It was beautiful, our last celebration service, to see a family of four all get baptized. If you missed that, you missed one of the most beautiful things that can happen in life. A whole family was baptized together. There's also, that's the physical family. There's also a theological concept of family. When Jesus was on earth, when he had his ministry for those three years, he taught and he expanded the boundaries of family from biological only to extended and adopted to our spiritual family. You know, some people say that church isn't important anymore, but here's the thing. If you just have Jesus as the head of your life and you're not connected to the spiritual body, you cannot be a whole person. You simply can't because Jesus himself was saying, we have to be connected in a spiritual family. Jesus and his disciples were standing around and his mother, Jesus' mother and brother, was standing outside the door and the disciples said, who, who are they, Jesus? And here's what Jesus said. He said, Who's my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. You see, that family is as much or more significant than our actual physical blood family. Now, it doesn't negate the physical blood connection, but it, Jesus was expanding it here. And he said, he said, in his kingdom, a spiritual family connection is even more important than the physical one. He said in, in John, he said, yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're the children of God. 
We're adopted by him. In, in um, Romans, it says, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. You see, we're born physically, and then we're born again into the spirit, adopted into our extended spiritual family. This is important. It's important for us to know. It's important for us to understand because we have a physical family. We didn't get to choose them. God chose them for us. We have a responsibility to them. And then we have a spiritual family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And what that means is that now God is my father. Jesus is my brother. And everybody who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all equal. We all have equal value, and that was one of the main things that Jesus was trying to convey to people. It's not about gender. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about social standing. We're all the same. He said, we're neither Jew nor Greek. We're neither slave nor free. We're neither male nor female, but we are all one. We sang about that this morning. We're all one in Christ Jesus. You are all children of God through faith, all one in Jesus Christ. So does the Bible have this model for family? Of course it does. He designed the physical family to be the building block of human society. That's why it's so important for our homes to strive for unity and for harmony. Now, we're not there much of the time because there's contention. It's hard to do relationships. It's hard to, to do the work of relationships. But he calls us to strive for unity and harmony. As far as I go, it's my responsibility to strive for unity and harmony. Always be working towards restoration. And then our extended spiritual family is made up of everyone who calls on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. In, in Revelation, it says, from every nation, every tribe every language. You know what that means? We are brothers and sisters with a lot of the Super Bowl eagles, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a closet eagles fan. I have been since I was 19 years old, but you know that I couldn't say it much because I get so ridiculed by it. <laughs> and so I'm coming out of the closet. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> uh, but the defining characteristic then of a spiritual family is that we love one another. Now, I know when I grew up, I had siblings, and I would fight with them. I would fight with my brothers, and I fought with my sister. But that didn't mean that we weren't family anymore. That didn't mean that one ran that way, and I ran that way, and we didn't see each other more. It meant that we were connected by blood. We were a physical family, and it was our responsibility to love one another and strive towards human harmony and unity. And in, this, in the spiritual realm, you know, I'm really concerned about the church today in our world because I'm not sure that we're living out what Jesus commanded us here to love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. The only way that people are going to know and see at work is because we're so different and we irk each other and we get on each other's nerves, but we have been committed. We are committed to strive towards unity and harmony, only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when someone can see that, 
There is no denying that it works. Buddy and I are a good example of that. 42 years, man, we were not even supposed to come together. You know, we were talking the other day, Gracie was talking about, um, she has everything planned out for her wedding. The only thing she doesn't have is a boyfriend yet. <laughs> and that's okay. We'll wait about 25 years on that. <laughs> but I said, uh, Gracie, the most important thing that matters to me is that you be equally yoked. And she said, well, what does that mean? We had a great conversation about that. And I said, Pappy and I were not equally yoked. And our life was complicated because we were so different and we carried so much into that relationship. But we were determined till death do us part, which could have happened a long time ago. <laughs> but we decided no murder is not an option. <laughs> and we decided that we were going to see this thing through no matter what it took. And I said, and you know what happened? Your mom and dad were equally yoked. So the next generation got some value from Buddy and I saying, you know what, we messed this thing up. He did a fixer-upper in us, and each one of us have determined that we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, and then we're going to love one another till death do us part. And then the next generation will have something completely healthier than what Buddy and I started out with. But you see the fixer-upper? You see what happens when people will commit themselves to following God's design instead of their own way and allow God to redeem us and restore us and transform us? It ripples into generations that we will never see. To me, it's worth whatever it takes, whatever it takes to see that happen. Love one another. But I thought about this, family, it can be so wonderful, but it can be so difficult at the same time. You know, when Buddy and Jody and Christian and I came here 23 years ago and we came kind of kicking and screaming, we decided we were going to be obedient. And it was wonderful when we began to serve in ministry together. Christian had uh, an environment where there were some strong role models. He was just a little baby, and I thank God for the men that step up for, for boys who don't have their fathers in their home. And Jody began to serve, and Buddy and I just began to be obedient to the call that he placed on our life and the vision that God had given for Salem Fields Community Church. And when I sit back down now and I see that our family is serving together in ministry, my grandson is in Richmond, and he's serving serving with Young Life, and he goes to his church, and he serves in his uh, volunteer ministries. And I say, God, it was worth every minute. But I'll tell you the flip side of that story. It was so, so hard to work with family. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it was for Jody to have her parents as her boss and always be kind of the child. And then I can't tell you how hard it was for Buddy and I in our marriage. We went home and we never got to get away from all of the problems because once he'd say something, then I'd relate to it. And it was, it was like this continual grinding. It was like I've spent time on my knees and I said, God, would you please get us out of this? But he never seemed to do that. And there was no loophole for me to get up and run away. He had placed a call on my life. He had given me a marriage that I said till death do us part. And it was a matter of saying, I'll do whatever it takes, Lord. And what that meant was I had to come to this altar a lot of times. I had to get down by the, my bedside and I had to say, Lord, 
show me what I need to see about me so that I can give that to you, so that you can restore me, so that you will redeem me, transform me, Lord. And it was hard. It was difficult. So family can be wonderful and very difficult at the same time. Just want to give you a couple of things that make family difficult. First of all, when we neglect things that really need attention. When Chip and Joanna Gaines redeem a house, they deal with a lot of results. You know, at one time that house was brand new, but somehow it's gone downhill and they have to deal with the neglect. You know, as a homeowner, you know the cost and the constant attention of home improvement. Man, I look at our house and our, our house needs all new windows right now. And it's like Buddy and I go into denial and we just kind of pretend they'll be okay, but they're not getting better. We go out on our deck, he called my attention to this, and there's this uh, on our deck and this the thing around the door it's the wood is just rotting up and it's like we kind of pretend one day we're going to walk out there and it's all going to be nice well it doesn't work that way but somehow we think in our relationships that it's going to work that way that somehow it'll all take care of itself it won't it takes a lot of work to stay on top of a relationship the question is how much do you value it how much do you prioritize your relationships because really that's what the Bible is all about a relationship with God relationship with others physical family spiritual family that's 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 all it is relationships are the most important thing that God gives us and we have to say how much time and investment how much are we prioritizing to pay attention to the things because neglecting things will not make things better. There was a pastor that was visiting a fourth grade Sunday school class and he asked, what does God say about marriage? And the little boy said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? When we get married, we don't know what we're doing. I mean, even if we have the premarital counseling, it's like a secret fraternity that you see how good it could be and then you get in it and it's like, whoa. I didn't sign up for that. But the reality of it is you did because you made a vow to God that you would do your part to work towards restoration, unity, and, and harmony. That's what we told God we'd do. And we can say, as for me, I've done everything that I know that I can. And when I lay my head down at night, I know that I have stepped out and I've done everything that I can. You see, we have no idea what marriage is going to be like. And I can tell you this, building trust, which is the foundation of a relationship, is hard. Bring it on, Lord. <laughs> I'm thankful for Mark Batterson's house, honestly, because... Uh, for years, we went to staff retreat there, and he bought a lake house. We went out there this year, and it was all grass. And that's because there was such a drought. So I'm really thankful for this just simply for him. Aren't you? Be thankful for Mark. <laughs> so anyway, the Bible says this. says, don't be misled. Remember that you cannot ignore God and get away with it. We might think that these things that we do are going to just work out. They won't. Whatever we sow is what we'll reap. 
Whatever we sow, if we sowed corn, we're going to get corn. If we sowed soybeans, we're going to get soybeans. If we sow criticism, we're going to get criticism. If we sow whatever, that's what we're going to get. Now, when we ask for forgiveness, God takes away the consequences in heaven, but we still have to live with consequences of every decision we make on earth. We can't get away from that. And so, take that to heart. Secondly, all the water can cause damage, right? Chip and Joanna run into a lot of houses that have a lot of water damage. Every time they run into that water damage, they go, oh, no, because it's horrible. The good thing is, I walked in here this morning, and I said, you know what? I remember the day when this place was just leaking like crazy. You remember that? And it's not leaking today. It's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm really amazed. But uh, there's a, they run into a lot of damage. They run into termites, to crack foundations, to water damage. And our relationships get damaged too. You know, when Buddy and I came into this marriage, he brought his stuff, I brought my stuff. And, and somehow we just kind of lived and thought it would be okay. It wasn't. There was a day of reckoning, and we had to begin to look within ourselves and say, there's something we need to look at. Relationships get damaged. And you know one of the greatest relationships that gets damaged? The father-child. The father-child relationship. You know, uh, the Bible says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, how do you do that? Well, you have to know what the training and instruction of the Lord is. And you better be on your knees every morning because it is virtually impossible to be able to do this given that we have backgrounds of maybe absent fathers and fathers that maybe passed away like mine did at, at 50, at when I was 15 years old or maybe an alcoholic abusive father. And, and studies have shown that we draw a picture of God based on the picture that we had of our, our father. Now, I knew a very loving God, and he loved me. I never struggled with love, but one day my father died when I was 15 years old, and from that point on, I struggled with, where are you, God? You're gone. You abandoned me. And, and once I came back around and understood that God wasn't my earthly father and vice versa, then I began to understand that God is my father and Jesus is my brother. But fathers, this is something that doesn't just happen. We have to allow God to transform our heart because the way that we are will determine the way that we are with our children. And that will ripple into future generations. That's why we need to be restored. But you see, a commitment to be restored to God's design is always hopeful. I'm watching families in this body change the cycles of generations. They're throwing a wrench in the whole divorce thing. They're saying, you know what? I had a family tell me, they said, you know what? We've got this little boy, and we both came from divorced families, but we are determined that we are going to keep that protective covering over that little boy. They are changing the cycle of future generations. We all have opportunity to do that. Thirdly, we really complicate our relationships, don't we? 
we make decisions and we run away from one and we go on and it creates confusion. Listen to this. If you think your family has problems, consider the marriage mayhem created when 76-year-old Bill Baker of London wed Edna, Edna Harvey. Follow me here. She happened to be his granddaughter's husband's mother. Okay, Baker's granddaughter told her the confusion. She said this, she said, my mother-in-law is now my step-grandmother. My grandfather is now my stepfather-in-law. My mom is my sister-in-law. And my brother is my nephew. <laughs> but even crazier is that I'm now married to my uncle and my children are my cousins. <laughs> I'll tell you, we humans can complicate things, can't we? We make things so complicated. That's why it's important to commit to rewind and to be redeemed and to restore back to his design. God, what is your design? And let's strive toward that. It says that God isn't a God of confusion, but of peace. And Timothy said, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Don't believe every spirit. You know, people today, I see people just believing whatever they hear. Somebody tells you something, you say, oh, wow. Instead of, the Bible says, test the spirit to see whether it's from God. Because there are false prophets out there everywhere. Trump didn't just come up with fake news. The Bible says there are false prophets everywhere. And there are voices that we listen to on a daily basis, and we just believe it, hook, line, and sinker. That creates confusion. The Bible says test it according to the word. Test it according to Jesus. The fourth one is even more intense. The fourth one is unresolved, severed, relationships. Now for me, I have had so many in my life. I have just had death, so many deaths. I had my brother's divorce. I lost my nieces, my nephews, my sisters-in-law that I adored. And every time, every time a relationship is severed, it takes a heart and it rips it in two every time. And every single one of us have had that happen to us somehow or another. And it morphs and alters our heart. And we don't know what to do with it, but we just go on. You know, maybe you had a biological relationship, and I can tell you when those bloodlines are severed, whether it's adoption or abandonment or whatever it is, it takes a heart and it says, please restore me back. Please restore me back. We have to resolve the severed relationships in our life. I didn't say restore the relationship. I said resolve it in our heart. Heal it. You know, if you watch that show, Long Lost Family, I don't know if you've watched it, but it, it, it's amazing to me how every time that somebody's trying to find a, a biological parent or a sibling, that they say, I just have this deep, deep longing in my heart to be reconnected. We all do. That's why God provided a way for us to be adopted into his family. That's why God provided a way for each one of us to strive towards harmony and unity and restoration 
in our physical relationships. John Wesley said this, he said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. What that says to me is I'm going to do everything that I can in my power to work towards restoration. Now that person may not want to, and what that means is I have to stop, and I have to wait, and I have to pray. And that develops patience. Waiting is some of the hardest times that we'll ever have. But as I lay my head down at night and know that I've taken this step, that I was fearful of doing this thing, but I had the courage enough to take this step to work towards being resolved, to work towards restoration, and that person doesn't want to, I have to stop there. And I have to pray for myself, and I have to pray for that person. But we can have resolve in those moments. It's not restored, it is resolved. And we will never be at peace, we will never have inner peace until we take those steps, until we pay attention to that place where our heart was torn in two and ripped and severed because it's bleeding and it needs attention. Who is that difficult person in your life? Who comes to mind when I ask you that? It might be a child, it might be a parent, it might be a sibling, it's probably a family member, it might be an ex-spouse, it's probably a family member. Because your ex-spouse is probably the parent of your child. So your child will gain a picture of themselves based on how you see their, their, their father or their mother. It's a big deal. It won't just take care of itself. It takes attention from us. Who is that person? Well, there was a secretary that was given flowers on National Secretary's Day and remarked how beautiful the flowers were. But notice that they didn't have a smell. Now, if you get roses and they don't smell good, something's wrong, right? Well, the secretary discovered that they were raised in a hothouse, isolated in an isolated environment, and didn't attract any insects, didn't attract any bugs to pollinate the flowers. And what happened? They didn't smell good. They lost their scent. Now, fruit raised in an isolated environment will be exactly the same because they don't in attract insects, don't need to, to scatter the seeds. And they don't taste that good. Have you ever had a tomato that's raised in a greenhouse and picked when it's green? Or have you ever gone to Florida and picked an orange off the tree when it's ripe? Or got, gotten a pear off the tree? It is succulent. But when, we're, when we put ourselves in an isolated environment, away from those that bug us and withdraw, we actually work against ourselves with the very thing that we want. It has an adverse effect. You see, we lose a part of God's design for relationships, like a flower loses its fragrance and fruit loses its taste because God, that person that came to your mind, God wants to use that person, that difficult person, that difficult relationship to bring out a beautiful fragrance in you if you will allow him to teach you what he wants to teach you in that difficult situation. But what we do is we withdraw from it. We don't want to look at it. We avoid it. 
And we're avoiding the very thing that will cause us to release a fragrance of love into the world. See, a beautiful fragrance will come out when we live by God's design. Hope is in being restored to God's design. We need a fixer-upper all the time. No matter how difficult family relationships are, no matter how difficult uh, spouses or children or parents or other Christians are, it is worth the effort. I am in the fourth quarter of my life. I'm on this side of it. And it has been so difficult, but it has been so worth it, so worth it. You have to believe that. You have to trust that on your side. No matter how dilapidated or neglected or damaged family relationships are, it is never beyond redemption. We're talking about a God who holds the stars we're talking about a God who names every star in the sky, billions and billions. Do we not think that we have the power available to us to get beyond this difficult relationship? All it takes is someone with courage, not absence of fear, but someone with courage that will not just be inspired and have a little knowledge, but the rubber will meet the road and you'll take an action step and you'll leave here today and you'll decide, maybe I need to make a phone call. Maybe I need to fill in the blank. You see, no matter what, when we get back to Chip and Joanna, and I think when we get into the word of God, all that really matters are people. All that really matters is family and our relationships. And I love this little final clip of Chip and Joanna Gaines that kind of wrap up who they are and their values. Watch this. Anything that's important to us and anything we want to do to the best of our ability, we know that it's going to require work. Anybody that thinks this comes completely natural or that, you know, that we got lucky is mm -hmm. really crazy because it just takes a whole lot of work. I mean, neither of us came with a silver spoon in our mouth. For Joe and I both, we came from really hardworking uh, families, uh, grew up working, both of us, uh, either around the house or around the neighborhoods. Even though things are definitely different to some extent, you know, I really hope our kids kind of follow in that, in those footsteps. I need you to dig a hole right here. I just think them watching us and that they see it from the start to the end. They see that it doesn't just come easy. You've got to work at it, keep it going, grow it. One of our favorite things is bringing them to work just so they can see the other side of what's going on. We love Fun. your show. Oh, thank you, thank you guys. Where are you from? Nashville. Nashville, yeah. cool. Obviously the TV thing has changed things, just the privacy. There's certain elements about our lifestyle that has definitely changed, but I think in our family bubble, we're trying to make it to where it's as normal as possible for our kids, that they don't get the magnitude of this. Despite all of this amazing success and this nonstop lifestyle, they've really managed to keep their relationship and their family their number one priority. We both made a commitment pretty early on that this was gonna be, Joe and I are the most important variable in the whole equation. I think once you're married, you really have to establish these kind of moments where you connect. And you know, before all of this came on, we, we were doing date nights every Tuesday night. We're still doing date nights every Tuesday night, and that's kind of our time to just say, how's it going, what's going on? And it's work, it requires a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of talking and connecting. It's not just, hey, we're married, so now let's just figure it out. You actually have to maintain that. And then you guys come in here, yeah, get nice there, great, great, love, love, love. 
you know, if Joe and I can figure out how to be right, then obviously we have a lot better opportunity to be right for our kids. And then once we get past that obstacle, we've got a better opportunity to be right by our company and our employees, our community, our church. That's the most important thing in the world. I think in reality, they just represent God's design of family and of faith. And like I said, you know what? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is stepping out in spite of being afraid. And I want to give you six things that you could take one of these today and just apply it. And it, it'll make a huge difference. And you'll be working towards restoration. You'll be working towards unity and harmony. It won't be fixed. It'll still be messy. Family will always be messy. But you want to lay your head down at night and know as for you, you've done all that you can to go as far as you can. And then it may be a matter of waiting. So the first thing is just simply search your heart. What the song said, search your heart. And see if there's anything in there that maybe you've contributed to the problem. And if you have, name it and identify it and ask God to forgive you. And maybe you need to ask someone else to forgive you, but take personal responsibility for your part, not the other part, just your part. And it takes a little while to figure that out. No false guilt here, only what you truly are guilty of. Figure that out. Search your heart. The second thing is to grieve. Grieving is painful. Grieving is hard, but we lose Anytime there's loss, maybe loss of a dream, loss of whatever, we have to sit in it. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn because I'll comfort you. And sometimes we just need to take the time to cry and to be sad and to grieve and to mourn our losses, whatever that might be. Ask God to show you. The third one uh, is to seek and give forgiveness. You know, maybe, maybe there's someone that you need to say, you know what, you don't need to say anything to me. I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for da-da-da-da-da, whatever that is. Say it to God first. Maybe ask for forgiveness. Would you forgive me? I don't know. I don't know if you're there yet, but that's, that's one of them. The fourth one is one that really struck me this past week. Because there's a relationship in my life that I, I just haven't, haven't been able to get to where I want it to be. And I was talking it out with Buddy, and, I, and it was just like the Lord said, Gay, you've done all you can, just wait. See, that doesn't work well with me because if I just know what to do, I'll say I'm sorry or I'll do something. And he said, you're trying to be in control. We like to be in control, don't we? And he said, just wait. And he's teaching me patience because I want to do something, but I'm just waiting. I think that's probably one of the hardest ones that we have to do. The fifth one is just obey. Take an action step. You know, maybe you were inspired here today. Maybe you have a little more knowledge. Won't do you a bit of good until you take it and apply it. I don't know what that is for you. But that's where we fail as Christians, when we don't step into the power of God and have an action step and do what we can to work towards unity 
and harmony. And the last one is God is so amazing in his word. He gives us every answer we need. When there's conflict, which there will always be conflict in our relationships, he gives us Matthew 18. And he gives us a way to resolve conflict. Now, the other person may not want to engage in that, and that's where maybe we need to just wait. But we can lay our head down at night and know that we've done all that we can do. And there will be a peace that passes all understanding. And if we can live that as believers, we will radiate a fragrance out into the world without even trying. Because our lives will show that we love one another and that we're willing to follow God's design. Who is it in your life? It only takes one person to choose to be restored and to follow God's design to change a whole family, to change a whole community, and to change the world. We have opportunity to change generations, four and five generations from here, just by a choice we make here today. I love this song. It's called Take Courage. And I'm asking you, would you take courage today? Let's stand together and worship.
series, Fixer Upper, and our prayer is that you have built a foundation, that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, and that you have uh, surrendered to God to allow Him to uh, just do any transformation in your life that you want Him to do, and uh, you know, and that if you're in debt and it's keeping you from being and doing all God wants you to do with your life, that you've made that, accepted that challenge to Take the seven-step plan to be debt-free, and, you know, if you've experienced that failure in your life and it's kept you from moving forward, that you've recognized that and you've reconciled that and you've began to uh, allow God to make something beautiful out of your life, and then today, your family, you know, so that we do all that so that we can have healthy families, that we can have healthy lives, 
and live out the gospel the way that Christ would have us to do. And so we hope this has been a valuable uh, series in your life. And next week we're going to do a, a standalone message, worship at work. And uh, so we want you to be back for that. But let's pray together as we close out our time. Father, we thank you for this moment that we have, Lord. As it's raining outside, we might as well be inside, Lord, and do your business. And so, Father, with uh, with uh, all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you don't have a foundation in Jesus Christ. In other words, you've never accepted him, never, ever accepted him in your life as your Savior. Well, today we just encourage you to invite Jesus Christ into your life. Just invite him to acknowledge that he is uh, that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on a cross for you and, and just ask him to forgive you of your sins. That's important. Lord, just forgive me of all of my sins and invite him in your life to be your Savior. If you've never received Christ today and you'd like to receive him or you've received him this day, would, would you just, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and make witness to anybody here today? Yep, I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, see your hand over here. Anyone else? So I, I just would encourage you today, if you accepted Christ, to stop out at the table. Out as you go out the door, just say, accept Christ. And the, Pastor Mark or one of our pastors will be there, and they'll help you with that, and it'll be a really good experience for you. But maybe you're here today, and you know, you say, you know what? I've got some relationships. i got got some repair work to do in my family. And I just really really want to ask God to just help me with that. And I'd like for you and Gay to pray for me as you close out this series. And you say, man, there's some fixer-upper worker I got to work I've got to do in my family. And you just need God's help. And you're making a commitment to God that you're going to get it right and make it right. And you just want us to pray with all of our heads bowed. Anybody like that today? Just slip up your hand. Wow. We all have those struggles, don't we? You can put them right back down. We all have those issues. You know, last night, out of the clear blue, somebody from a long, 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 long time ago in my life, when Gay says there, somebody in your life that you, uh, you you severed a blood connection with, if you severed a connection with, and man, right away, boom, popped right in my head. I would have never dreamed of it. But I'm going to ask God to give me the courage and the strength to do what I need to do, and I don't know what that is at this point, but I said yes to God, and you're saying yes to God today by raising your hand. So, Father, I pray for every person in this room today, even online, those that maybe God today have just said, you know, wow, I've got, I've got some work to do. I need some fixing up in my family and in my life, and I've got some relationships that have just fallen apart and were severed. And so today, God, I just pray that you will give us courage, every one of us who raised our hand today, to take the next step, to get it right, Lord, so that we can be free of that and move forward and live the kind of life that you desire for us to live. So, Father, I pray for families today, Lord. It's your idea, and God, it's a good idea. And I just I thank you for families, Lord. And I pray thanking you for all the families that go to Salem Fields today. And I pray you'd wrap your loving arms around them, each of us, Lord, and help us to live the kind of lives that would just be examples to our children to our relatives, our family, to each other here in the, our spiritual family, and then to those uh, people that we have influence with. So thank you for this day. Thank you for the rain, Lord. And uh, we thank you for caring so much about us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be sure if you accepted Christ today, you stop out there. 
That's an important next step for you. Have a great day. Come back next week. Bring some friends with you. It's going to be snowing next week, so <laughs> anyway, God bless. Hey, you.